Welcome to the Soccer Geeks Podcast, hosted by Jason Barbato. Hey everybody, welcome to the Soccer Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Barbato, and we have a very exciting conversation coming up today for you guys. Marissa, why don't you go ahead and introduce us and let us know who we're going to be speaking to today. Yeah, Jason, uh, welcome back uh, to the virtual studio. Um, we have today a very special guest. Her name is Natasha Anasi Erlingson, and uh, we'll get into the new change. Uh, you might know her as Natasha Anasi, who has played over here in the States and now plays for Iceland. Um, and yeah, we're going to really get into like her journey as a soccer player, now playing uh, professionally for the national team for Iceland and um, how that came about. So I'm super excited to hear and learn more from her directly. Well, let's so bring her on the show. Natasha, let's go. go. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Natasha, hey. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have a conversation with you today. Absolutely. Thanks yes. for having me. Absolutely. And I will be back towards the end uh, to kind of wrap up the conversation, give you guys some key points, and uh, Jason, take it away. I will do my best, Marissa. Thanks so much for that intro. Uh, Natasha, thanks for joining us. Like I said, um, we've got some really wonderful themes in our conversation that I can't wait to share with our audience today. Um, but first, I'd love to have just an opportunity a little bit. If you could just kind of share a little bit of your your family background, kind of where you were born stateside, uh, growing up in the youth soccer scene, and what was it like for you uh, growing up um, and playing and then eventually making it to play college soccer, if you don't mind? Yeah, um, absolutely. I am from Arlington, Texas. I am uh, born to two um, Kenyan parents who actually moved to the United States to go to university and met there. So um, now they didn't know each other beforehand. No, they didn't know. And they were both from Kenya. Oh, Uh, man. Providence. Yeah, it's great. Amazing story. So they (laughs) connect. Have me. (laughs) And um, yeah, yeah. I basically, I started playing soccer when I was, I think, five, oh yeah, I was in kindergarten, five years old, because okay. I was quite a big kid. I was just naturally just very tall and very strong right. at a very okay. young age. <laughs> so my kindergarten teacher actually was like, all right, I think we can use this to our advantage. Heck I'm yeah. To my mom sure. <laughs> and was like, does your daughter want to play on our soccer team? Because we're looking for a person. And she was like, yeah, of course. Like, I love soccer. We're going to sign her up. So they signed me up. And uh-huh. it was just a dream come true after that. I just fell in love with the game. Uh, ended up playing for the Dallas Texans. Yep. Which was, a, yes, a big club. Uh, and we were quite a good team in my age group. I was in the 91, 92 age group. Okay. And uh, we played in state cups. Uh, the USU soccer system was like the biggest at that time. So state cup regionals and nationals. We won nationals two times, I believe. Wow. Okay. And um, yeah, that's a little bit of like my states. And then, of course, went to Duke after that. Recruited yeah. from the Dallas Texans, went to Duke. Now, did that size difference, did that kind of... Did that kinda, um... Did that keep up with you as everybody got older or did you kind of uh, eventually cap out? Uh, I think in fifth grade, I was five, six and I stayed five, six for the rest of my life. After oh my, five, six in fifth grade. I've got a fifth grader and I'm hoping she's pushing yeah, five, five, one. That, like, holy cow, was, good for yeah. you. 
I kind of grew okay. and then I just was like, and then you stopped. Out after it just kinda, yeah. yeah. You just kind of yeah. hit that. Thing. Now for, for you, did you ever have, like, did you ever play up a few years or did you always kind of play birth year when you were, uh, when you were I, I did play up one age group and, and when I was for how I long think around, that was just a couple years actually, because okay. before that I had trained quite often with boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a coach who did kind of like individual skills training and he was just, he just loved me. I was really lucky. <laughs> he was awesome. He's yeah. actually one of the, I think he's the director of coaching at solar soccer club now, which okay. is kind of a powerhouse I think now yes. in Texas. Yes. And, uh, he was just great for me. He did everything and he was always like come train with my boys he even tried to recruit me to play on his boys team but my parents yeah. were like ah, i don't know anybody <laughs> for that i don't know sure. who for that sure um so i did that uh, training with boys was uh, one of the biggest things i did and then i played up an age group because i am born in 91 so i was like older of the 91 92 age group Mm-hmm. Uh, so they took me up to the 90, 91 age group to see if I could play with them. And I played with them in a couple tournaments and if they needed players, I was always the one who went up and played with them, but that wasn't so often. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you have a, a pretty illustrious youth <laughs> amateur playing career. Um, go, you, you play at Duke. Tell me a little bit about, uh, can you share with us, like, what was the recruitment process? How many college campuses did you, did you visit? Was it always going to be Duke? Um, kind of something along those lines. Like kind of, what was that process like for you as you were kind of deciding where you're going to play? I was, I was really lucky. It wasn't the most difficult, uh, process. Oh, here's my little lady that I was talking about. Do you want to come say hey, hi? Hey, little lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I was really quite lucky with my recruiting process because I was playing well and I was one of the top players in the country at the time. So I remember there was a quote from one of my coaches and he was just like, basically like talking to my mom on the phone and he was like, just tell me what school she wants to go to and we will talk to those. That's probably easier to narrow down than to like look at all the options that were there. So basically I was contacted by Duke and I had also been talking to Santa Clara and um, Stanford. So like, I had my Duke visit and then my plan was to go to California and visit, uh, I think three schools. I think it was Cal Berkeley, uh, Santa Clara and Stanford. Those were like the ones that I was looking at on the California side. But, um, I went to Duke, I met with Robbie and, uh, I closed the deal. I closed the deal straight away. That was my first visit. Closed the deal straight away. (laughs) Now, now as a native Californian, I'm going to ask you, did you ever make it out to California ever to look at any of the schools or anything like that? I didn't. And I, in a weird I, way, I I kind of look back and I regret not taking the just taking the visit. I do think I would have ended up going to Duke. I do think that, but I should have visited because just now we I had spent time. I played in like I played in San Diego, so I had taken the tournament there, uh, Surf Cup. Yep. And uh, ten minutes from my house, by the way. Ten minutes from your house, and then mm-hmm. of course taking some uh, youth <laughs> youth national team yeah. trips to like the. Uh, Carson area where we were with the Icelandic national team recently with the, in the She Believes Cup. So like I was in love with LA, yeah. but uh, I just, I found it. I don't know. There was just something about Duke's campus and just the yeah. atmosphere there and everything that just went the way that I wanted to. And yeah. it 
ended up well, being worked, a place for me. It, it, it worked, worked, out, it worked out pretty good. Yeah, it worked out pretty good for you, right? Uh, I just, hey, listen, as a lifelong Californian, maybe it's yeah. the West Coast bias or things like that. Yeah. I happen to think that had we gotten your foot in the sand on the West Coast, I think you'd probably still be here today. But the good thing is you are where you were supposed to be at the right time playing at Duke. Um, now, going in, being a highly recruited uh, youth player coming into the collegiate scene, can you kind of lay the landscape of what it was when you kind of came on the college scene, so to speak? Um, we've had other college players that we've talked to that it was very difficult as a freshman to kind of come in and break through with seniors being there, you know, other players being four, sometimes five years more physically developed than you were and things like that. So can you kind of give us a little understanding of what, what it was like to kind of come into the program like Duke as a youth player? Oh. Definitely. Um, it was, I would say my freshman year was very up and down. Uh, I came in, of course, playing center back my entire career. And I, more often than not, was stepping in as a defensive midfielder or right back, which right back was one of the positions. I remember telling my youth coach, I was like, please, when I go to college, I really <laughs> don't want to play there. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but any reason, um, any specific reason why not right back? Because all our right backs just, out there would love I to know. I really like being in the center of the field. There's just something I think I'm just meant to be in the middle just a of the field. A little insulated. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, which, which the East Coast makes a lot of sense because you got Europe on one side and you, you just basically have the rest of the, the whole Western United States. So I understand. That's why Duke was really the good choice. That's right. <laughs> exactly. It was the you central midfield <laughs> of all college campus. That's great. I love it. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I played a decent amount, I would say, my freshman year. But like I said, I think it was just very up and down. It took me some time to just adjust to, um, I think, just expectations, um, the speed of play. I will never forget playing Carolina in that first year. They were just like a powerhouse. <laughs> just uh, it, was, it was a humbling experience playing against okay. them. Um, and just also juggling your workload of course I, I was a, always a very good student school was always very easy for me but when you're in such a rigorous uh workload or rigorous curriculum like Duke it is it is hard you really have to balance your time well right. so you have your time of studying you have soccer and then you also have your social life because you want to keep your life balanced you oh did you have one of those <laughs> barely you're barely I was gonna say you're one of the lucky ones if that's the case yeah um and what degree did you pursue while you were at Duke? I actually came in and said that I was going to be pre-med. So I was oh. a biology major. That changed real. That, like I said, humbling. Yeah, humbling lots of humbling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. I graduated with, uh, ma uh, I majored in political science and I had a minor in sociology. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, playing at Duke, you know, you, you, you stayed, did you stay for four years or five years? Yeah. I was four years. So, your four years. Okay. Yeah. And can you connect the dots for us and kind of just give us a little bit of your personal history there? Um, what were the opportunities to play domestically post-college mm -hmm. and what were the opportunities to play internationally post-college? Yeah. Uh, basically my whole plan was to play in the States because the league had been, the NWSL had kind of been like up and down in it not really solidified itself so come 2000 was it 2013 um uh, no 2014 then i entered the draft and i was drafted number 13 to the boston breakers um okay. i had had a conversation with them before because of course 
it wasn't as organized as it is now to graduate early. So I was going to be graduating in May. And I talked to them and told them that I wanted to finish my degree. Uh, and they had accepted that initially. Then um, I got drafted. And I think uh, maybe it wasn't completely agreed upon with all of the people I had talked to that I would come in at that time because they wanted me to be there preseason. So I kind of had to make a decision at that point if I was going to drop out of my classes and leave this last semester and take it another time, or if I was going to go ahead and uh, graduate. And I had to choose yeah. to graduate on time yeah. <laughs> and then look to go play abroad after that. Okay, so you Bo Jackson the draft, which <laughs> oh, that's totally fine. I'll respect you for that. Okay. Okay. Now it had nothing. No, I'm not, I was, I could ask a question, but I'm not going to, you know, cause any problems there. So, so the domestic kind of options there and, and, and to be fair, you kind of understand, Hey, being in preseason was important. And then if you came in May, it's Then it's, it's still the runway to get you kind of integrated. So that, that whole first season was going to be kind of a loss, but they already lost the draft pick on you. I don't understand why they would have just been like, well, like I might as well figure it out. The runway is just longer than we thought, but that, I'm, I'm not running that front office. I can't speak to that. So, so you start looking, um, you start looking obviously to offers international. Um, what type of opportunities were there in 2013, you know, for females to go, you know, to Europe or to South America? It's not like it is today in, in 2022, where it's like women's soccer is like the hot commodity. Like that's like the up and coming, that's the emerging sports market in the rest of the world. It's not like it was 10 years ago, nine years ago. So can you kind of paint what that landscape looked like international and then kind of what opportunities presented themselves for us? Of course, it was like an interesting journey because at that point, then I have to start looking for an agent. And I just had absolutely no idea. I had to basically look at friends that I knew who were playing abroad and talk to them mm -hmm. about their process of how they were going to, how they got to where they were going. Because I had known um, one teammate who was playing at Bayern Munich at the time, uh, which is actually funny because she says that Bayern Munich today is just completely not what it was then like it was just they had not the same tra training facilities like everything's just so different than it was right. uh, than it is now so i talked to a friend and i was connected with an agent and basically from there i just gave him my complete trust and it was just kind of like see what you can find for me and sure. then we're just gonna go from there and he came with a few offers and like you say like women's soccer was not as it is today so like just salary wise, you were you were taking a risk in some areas if you were gonna like at that time I think playing in the for like the first division, which is like the second league in Sweden, not the top league, uh, you were maybe gonna make like seven hundred dollars at the time and play there and that's just very just the money was not there at the time. Yeah. I was lucky. Um I ended up getting an offer from an Icelandic team, which is IBV Investment Air, which is a little island off the coast of Iceland, which you can yes. an island off the coast of an island. <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> sure. uh that's where I ended up going. But even then I was just kind of like, Am I really going to Iceland? Is that my plan of action? Like now moving forward? Because of course you're looking at other people, you're seeing them maybe, like I knew a girl who was at Ajax, you're seeing these bigger clubs, but um, I just kind of took a leap of faith and I felt like yeah. maybe if I just took this offer, it would maybe open some doors to other things after that. Yeah. And sometimes you can only take the, the opportunities that are presented in front of you. Mm -hmm. I've, I've talked about with friends before, you can't worry about opportunities you don't have. Mm-hmm. 
like the consternation that comes up, what do I do? Well, unless you really have some options, there's not much you can do, right? Exactly. So, so thinking about the options and then weighing the options kind of in front of you are really good. And, and for our listeners out there too, you know, later we'll give you Natasha's Instagram handle and you can look through it and see that she lives in one of the most gorgeous places on earth because it, I, I can't imagine... I, I just, I basically imagine you just walking to practice and just blindly looking another direction and just clicking a photo and posting it. And it's still being like magical and beautiful. Like what a, what an amazing country to kind of quote unquote end up in, yeah, um, exactly. which is just so wonderful. So you, you make the decision to, to go to Iceland, right. To play internationally, you know, there's kind of the whole process that you have to become, you know, a foreign player playing in there and stuff like that. Some, some work permit and visa, you know, things that you can process that you have to go through, but can you talk to kind of just like walking into Duke, different speed of play, you know, a in a sense, a different culture um, or different community, but kind of same culture, you're stepping into a completely different culture going into Iceland. So can you talk about some of the similarities and differences that you notice? You know, you're dealing now with a language barrier um, and just some cultural barriers as well. Can you kind of talk about what that was like? Um, at this point, you're 22, 23 year old gal going to, going to Europe, kind of walking into <laughs> that situation. I mean, what did that look like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just, I think my first day arriving in Iceland just kind of encapsulates how, like, it is in this culture, and, like, they have a phrase that's called tataratas, and tataratas means just, like, everything will, like, work out, basically, they just believe, sure. like, don't, you never trust, yeah, yeah, everything, everything's gonna work out, so yeah. I land, um, I think the night before our game against Breivik, which is actually the team that I play for now, Okay. So I land and my coach picks me up uh, at the airport. We end up uh, driving uh, part of the way. We spend the night at the hotel and he looks at me and we're doing like the, we meet, I meet the team, I meet the girls. We're doing the pregame talk and he looks at me and he's like, you're going to play today. <laughs> like, okay. And How long like, was the flight, by the way? How long was the flight? Uh, so I flew, I think, Dallas to Boston, Boston to Iceland. <sighs> So I am, I am exhausted to yeah. say the least at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think both of those play, I think it's four hours and then four hours again. So oh I'm God. like, okay, great. I'm going to play. And he's like, also like, because it's like this kind of game, I really need you, but I also can't put you in the defense because I don't want to shake things up. You're going to play attacking mid. And I was like, okay, Great. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not right. Hey, but you're not playing right back. So at this point, I'm you're playing with house money. Yeah. Uh, so I play. Uh, actually, play. I score a goal in that game. Won't forget that. But that, like okay. I said, that, I think that whole story just kind of like describes to you about how it can be in Iceland sometimes. That's just sure. like, okay, we're gonna go with the flow and make it happen. But yeah, to talk more soccer wise, uh, I think the. Te like the players here are really technical they're not the most athletic but they're very technically gifted so i think that's one of the like biggest differences i would say you don't have like especially me growing up in texas where like i think most of the soccer was played that was like very athletic like you had to be athletic you had to be fast like right. those right. were like the key that's features but that's, that a, that's american that that's americanized right <laughs> yeah that's yeah. very american uh, yeah. if you have those that's great if you're also at in technical amazing but i think being technically gifted is uh, one of the biggest things here and everything's very like the coaches are very tactically minded 
So they really think through uh, what their game plan is to be, and they really want you to stick to that. Um, so I would say, not that that wasn't a difference, but like, I I was lucky to play on some teams where I had a little bit of freedom to like do whatever I like. If I'm a center back who brings the ball up, no problem. We just like create from that. Right. But that actually ended up helping me a lot being here because I think most of the teams that I play start their attack from the back. So uh, I think, yeah, I would say just like, I was really surprised at like the, how most of the players were so technically gifted. Mm -hmm. Any challenges there from uh, language, anything like that? Yes, for sure. I think Icelandic is one of the hardest languages. I think one of the top ones, the hardest to learn. Yeah. And uh, so basically, well, coming from America, for sure, from from an English based language, for sure. Exactly. From an English background. So um, that like, basically you're in there and I think, it's becoming better now because there have been so many foreigners to come play in the league now that they, most of the coaches do just do their pregame talks in English. But at the time, like everything was in Icelandic and then they would just look to you and be like, um, you just keep doing what you're doing. And you're like, I feel like I just missed a whole lot there, but I got like two sentences. So what? Okay, great. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing then. (laughs) Baptism by fire though. There's, I mean, that's the best way to learn, right? It's just full immersion. Right, so cool you, you got full on baptized in Icelandic culture, language, everything, the whole nine yards. Did I you sure did, did. did you feel as a player coming in? Um, you know, we we see this on the men's side a lot uh, in a different way. Um, so I'll, I'll preface my question with that: that we see some bias on the men's side in this. But did you see any type of like American bias? coming in as an athlete in the women's game playing in Europe or did you feel this there's a different there's a different outlook on American female athletes coming to Europe than say some of the men like some of the barriers that some of the men have had for sure I think especially in the league in Iceland like they have very high expectations of their American players because I think there has been great success for American players who come to the league so basically if you're coming in as an American on the team because there's only three spots on the team for North American players. If you're coming on the team, they're expecting you to be a baller basically. (laughs) So if you're coming into the team, they better expect you to have flown for eight hours and then play that night center attacking mid out of position and score a goal. Okay. So I got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly that. No, I'm kidding. Well, You you fit the bill. Isn't that good? Yeah. Look at, look at that. Funny how things work out. Um, So, uh, so I was going to say that uh, too. Um, I, actually, I'll just go a different direction. So tell tell us a little bit about what your playing career has been like in Iceland. I mean, you you arrived. I can't. I won't even try to pronounce the team that you said you initially came for because there's a yeah. lot of consonants and some circles I don't understand. Yeah, uh, but but then uh, the team you're playing for currently. So can you kind of tell us about the transition from some of the, the clubs that you played for to where you yeah. ended up now? Uh, yeah, so uh, the first club I came to was um, Ibelof, which is basically just IBV if you're going to translate it to English. Sure. And um, that team was a, a, it was like very up and down for us, but we managed to be typically middle of the table. Um, and that was just a really, a really good experience there on the, the island. If we talk about beautiful places, I say that that's the most beautiful place in Iceland is to be in Vestmanea. Okay. And um uh, yeah, just we we had a, a good group of solid youth players, and then you added in experienced foreigners with that. So it ended up being a, a good mix. And I think the first season I was there, we managed to get middle of the table. The next season there, it was a little bit, 
up it was like again up and down we managed to beat like the number one team but then we would go play against like the number eight team and then drop a game to them and then in 2016 it kind of like fit together so we ended up uh making the cup final and played against my current team now which is Breivik and we lost I think it was three oh what was the score four two or something like that um but an amazing experience for like a smaller club because I would say generally how it's been in the league here is that there's two very dominant clubs, Valor and Breivik, that usually win the league. So it's okay. been generally different for, and then the rest is like a fight for three to ten. Sure. Uh, so yeah, and uh, I switched from the because then in 2017 I was pregnant with my daughter, and mm-hmm. so I took a year off, and I switched to the team that's in my town now. That's called Keplik, and they were actually in the league under and i decided to take the jump with them hop in with them and we ended up getting promoted after that okay promoted played a season in the top league got relegated back down <laughs> uh took another season with them got promoted and we ended up staying in the top league and that's when i actually decided that i was gonna make a switch sure. and go to one of the teams that was top two at the time and that's right. probably like where i'm ended up now and they also have uh the opportunity uh, to be league path in Champions League because the top league, of course, goes um, the Champions route in Champions League, and then mm-hmm. they recently were able to add a second place who goes a league path. Okay, yeah, I was wondering if you might just kind of let us know so we kind of understand, you know, kind of lay of the landscape there in Iceland. How, how many women's divisions are there? How many teams per division? You yeah. know, it sounds like I mean, there's promotion relegation because you experienced a lot of the relegation. <laughs> you experienced the promotion exactly, too. Exactly. Um, so, how is that kind of broken down? Is it ten team divisions, or what does that look like? Yeah, I think uh, the the top league and the first division are both. I think ten teams, I believe. And they okay. have also a second division, which is basically the third league. And I think I might be butchering this, but I think yeah, there might be now 12 teams in that division there. Okay. Because they were thinking about it to a different setup, having like two sides and then having a playoff at the end for that division. Um, so exploring like a different setup there. But sure. um, it, with, like in the top two, the top two leagues there, like the top league and the first league. It is promotion relegation. Two teams get relegated. Two teams get promoted. Oh, out of ten teams. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that that's that's a that's pretty brave. Um, exactly. You know, you hinted on something that that happened. You know, to you and your family. You know, in, in 20, 2018, right? Um, when your daughter was born. You said twenty eighteen, correct? Yeah, she was born twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen is when I came back. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Okay, gotcha. So 2017. Yeah. So one of the things I was hoping that would be really wonderful you to kind of to share and just kind of talk about your personal experience is just um, some thoughts there on, on motherhood as a professional player. I mean, we see we see a lot of high profile. You know, you see Alex Morgan and the profile that they have. You know, you've got. Um, uh, Gosh, why do I blank on their names right now? They were uh, the both uh, the gals were at Orlando and they adopted um, a, a daughter, uh, Allie. Yes. And God help uh, me! Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm also now that you we're blanked, both blanking. Like, we're both blanking at the same time. Okay, cool. It's not just me, but I think it's spreading. So be careful. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes. But so we see that there are there. You know, motherhood looks a little bit different for 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 players, and there's some you know there's there's some variety there. But can you share a little bit about for what you that for what that meant for you as a professional player? I mean, obviously. I'm not saying obviously 
from a from my perspective, it would seem that there would be some fear there that your playing days are over and that motherhood or getting pregnant, doing that to your body, all those things, it could be a real career killer or a derailer. So how how did that process look like for you? How did you kind of walk through that? Um, because you're still playing today. And and so I'm just really curious, like kind of what it what it meant to you and, and the the thought process you had there. Definitely. Um so like you touched on, it's like, um, for me at that time, because of course you see some athlete, like there wasn't as many high profile that I can think of at the time that I could look on to see, um, who had been traveling as uh, being mothers and be, and be competing at the highest level. So, yeah. um, basically when I got pregnant, I was like, am I going to be the same player that that was basically the question that was just yeah. in my mind. Am I going to be the same player that I was before? Um, so, um, I'm pregnant, I have Harper, my little, little girl. And, um, <laughs> then I'm like chartering the waters of like, how do I train post-pregnancy? Which is like, uh, it's a difficult, it is a difficult because of course uh, you're, you yeah. have to just wait to see how your body handles pregnancy. Everybody's yeah. body handled it very differently. So you just yep. never know. I was lucky. So I managed to train actually, um, I started training nine weeks after she was born. And that's Holy because cow. I, yeah, which is wild. Yeah, and looking it is. back now, I'm like thinking of the next baby. I'm like, I think I'm going to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had <laughs> just missed playing soccer so much. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go take it easy, take it slow yeah, and start to train. Um, so I think a part of that also was that um, the team that I was going to play for was in a lower division. So I knew that like I would be able to play at that level with no like stress of like, um, are we going to get relegated? Are we going right. to be like, you know, there's no stress of how the team's doing. So I decided to, to join on with them and take that uh, battle. And it ended up being an amazing season for me. Yeah. I ended up being player of, the, player of the year that year. Hey and, now. Uh, <laughs> All right. And mom of the year. Player yeah. of the year, mom of the year. Yeah. Now we're and, talking. Uh, scored 14 goals, which was wild. I was playing in the midfield with them. Who so knew? I think that was Who knew you had to go to Iceland to realize that you were, you were always meant to be a midfielder? <laughs> had that in me um yeah so uh yeah i i was able to get in shape at a pace i think that was comfortable to me so i think that was there was no expectation no one needed me i didn't have to be back anywhere so i was able to just go and just see what happened and lucky for me it ended up going really well and that's when i realized at that point that like okay you can do this tosh like you can be a mom and a soccer player and manage to play at the highest level so yeah but but sometimes but it sounds like it, it took a little bit to get you there emotionally, yeah. mentally, psychologically. Oh my God. I yeah. can only tell you the number of times my husband was holding me in his arms mm-hmm. where I was just crying. And I was just yeah. like, I don't think I can do this. Like yeah. <laughs> your body's just aching everywhere. But uh, I just, I just loved playing soccer too much for me to sure. be ready to be done. I just knew sure. that there's just something in me that was like, no, you're not done yet. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And what's good is that it was a process. No, you don't just, you don't just set the mindset on day one and everything changes, but you had to kind of go through it and kind of walk through that process to kind of find who you really were on the other side of that as a mom, kind of embracing that identity now, having, having a family, all those things. Um, uh, and I just want to add, uh, Marissa added production notes on this, that it was Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris. Those are the names we could remember. We both would have lost. Je- it could have been Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. We would have absolutely lost the fortune lost. there. I Natasha. saw their faces yeah. in front yep. of me, and Same I was here. just like, what are yeah. they? What yep. are their names? Yep. 
Yeah, totally. We totally, we lost. We would have, if there was money on the line, we would have absolutely had to, had to pay up. So, oh, oh well, God. we move on. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, the process? Cause now you've, you know, by this point, you know, you've been playing 2018 now when you come back from, you know, um, pregnancy and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now you've been playing in the country for about five years. Yeah. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about, um, establishing, uh, citizenship, Mm-hmm. Uh, in a country outside the United States. Yeah, um, that was actually a crazy process because <laughs> it is a bit antiquated here how they do the paperwork process. It takes a long time. Everything is still on paper and you have to meet this person and that person and that person to get it all done. But there is like a few routes that you can go when you're getting your citizenship. There is just like the regular process, which takes a lot of time. Um, but there's also basically where it goes through, it's called Althinki, which I think is just Congress, basically. They have like a special committee that like uh, awards um, citizenship to people who apply based on special circumstances. Um, I managed to get my citizenship through that process um just because of my family connections and they saw that i had a very strong tie to iceland because i, I have a child i had a husband um, my stepson as well and that i've been living in the country for <laughs> for five years at that point right. so um it was i think an easy check mark to give that person citizenship i'm so paying taxes I, i'm eating yeah, the food <laughs> i'm learning the language bought a house like, like i, bought, doing all I would like to be <laughs> here <laughs> I think I'll be here for some time is basically what I was saying. Sure. Um, um, So I managed to get my citizenship through that process. And um, yeah. And then I shortly after that, got a call from the national team coach uh, asking if I would basically want to be with them. And they were going to a training camp, I think in Spain that time. So he was like, I'm going to pick you like, are you going to come play for us basically? Yeah. Okay. So, and, and they didn't work at the, uh, the embassy either, right? They weren't work. They weren't the ones stamping one paperwork for the national <laughs> team and for citizenship, right? The two different hats. Is that what two, the, different the two different people? Okay, cool. Yeah. Not interrelated. Although, no, not you know, interrelated. I'm just saying not at all. Hmm, people might've made, might've made phone calls, small country. Exactly. Everybody's connected. So, exactly. <laughs> so, um, gosh, did you did you have an idea? Hi, sweetheart. Hi, Harper. How you doing? Hey, hi. <laughs> Just a crazy guy in the United States. How you doing, sweetheart? Um, so, did you have an idea that you were going to be getting that phone call from, or that they had any interest in you from, you know, anything I, like that? Like, I I knew that there could be the chance of it happening, but I had not had any formal conversations with anybody at that point of like, okay, like, um do you like do you want this like or whatever sure. but it, like i think everybody just kind of felt it on me that, that it was it was something that i wanted to, to do yeah. so yeah. it was definitely like not super formal it wasn't like he called me and he's like hello natasha like would you like to be a part of my and sure. do no i think it just it kind of just happened yeah so um, um i know it's like not as exciting but it just it, like, yeah, it, that, it that was a huge letdown yeah no <laughs> wow i mean i how did that, so, so how long did you take to kind of process that or think about that? Was it like a, a conversation with your husband and he's just like, well, I'm Icelandic. Like, don't you, 
don't you want yeah, to play yeah. for the national team? Like, is he, is he a big football? Is he a big soccer fan? I mean, how he does that? A, he's no. a huge soccer fan. Probably like my biggest supporter out there. He's at every yeah. game. He's good. Screaming. He should be. Absolutely. Uh, just amazing. I couldn't yeah. be luckier. But um, he had always, through the whole process, he was like, you know, like, there's a chance for you to play for the Icelandic national team. Like, All would right. you want to do that? Would you want to yeah. do that? And it was kind he's of He's like, like a- I will be your anchor. <laughs> I will get you. <laughs> and... For me, at that point, it was kind of a no-brainer. Um, of course, like I had mentioned before, like I had been a part of the youth national team like okay. process. I was playing, I think I went to one camp with under-18s, and then I had been pretty significantly in with the under-23s. Okay. So like being close to like knocking on the door, but then it kind of phased out, and you get to a certain age where like they're not like they're not tracking you anymore. Um, So I knew that that was not going to be an option for me. But um, when this opportunity came for me, I was just very excited because it is something playing at this the highest level is something that I've always wanted to do. Right. And I, you know, it's not that you weren't wanted, right? It's just, Mm -hmm. it just so happened that as you were coming to the pinnacle, so to speak, in your career, that that upward trajectory, Mm -hmm. it just so happened that I mean, and no disrespect to the team's past that the women's national team has had, but it may be have been the most talent rich side in the history of women's soccer. Like, you You know, all things, (laughs) all things being fair and equal. And that's no knock on your talent or your ability. Like it just, Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't one of the best, you know, there's 50 people, you know, that it could, could start on any team in any country in the world right now. And so maybe I'm 51, 52, but I'm not saying you were, don't, don't, Please don't, you know, misconstrue. Of course not. No, you're, you're completely correct in that. That it was, uh, I was probably in those training camps. I'm trying to think at that time I was with like Abby Dahlkemper, Julia. These are like people that I'm competing against in a first spot. And like, I knew like, it's, it's humbling playing against people like that, but you can see yourself that it will be difficult, you know, to make it when you have just amazing, like you say, just amazing players surrounding you. Well, and there's no shame in that. And we talked about like, listen, I, you can't worry about opportunities you don't have. So here comes this wonderful opportunity that's presented to you. How did it, how did it feel for you as an American uh, coming in and, and, you know, kind of 2013 coming into a country that was not your own to having like, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm a huge national team program character. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious on the show and things like that, but I can't, I can't imagine that it must be so um, loving and so fulfilling to, to have a country that's not necessarily you, your own, like adopt you and just say like, we, we embrace you. We love you. We, we want you to feel like kind of uh, like how, so how did that kind of feel for you to, to, to be so well received by the national program? It was just absolutely amazing. Like it's almost indescribable because I just from the minute I stepped in with them, everybody was just like taking me in. Uh, I think I, at the point that I first came in, I was speaking Icelandic, but not to the level that I am now. And mm-hmm. they were just so supportive that it was just like almost shocking. And I was just like, okay, you don't have to be that nice. I know that I'm not <laughs> speaking perfect Icelandic, but you guys are just like sure. moving on. Like I'm just cruising through the speaking fully. Uh, but they, they're just amazing people. And I think they're just super proud. That's for them. They're super proud that somebody would want to come into their country and just, immerse themselves completely and they think that that's just amazing so i think being that well received just allowed for me to also just spread my wings there and do my thing (laughs) sure 
Sure. Um, now, I'll, I'll you know when you wear the Icelandic national team shirt, and not to be controversial, it caused problems in the house. What what's on the back? I'm just kind of curious. What's on the back between your shoulders? Is at, at does... the moment it is a Nasir. It is a Nasir. Of course, okay. when I started playing for the national team, I was still a Nasir. a very like I told you, a Nasir Erlingson yeah. is a recent change. Sure, and sure. Also, a Nasir like adopting the last name Erlingson is a bit controversial in Iceland as well because is it okay. um, the last names of everybody in Iceland? You have the like ending daughter or son. Yes. So son for boys, daughter for girls. Um, so my daughter is Harper Runar's daughter. So she's daughter of Runar. Yeah. So me wearing Erlingson is kind of weird for them because they're like, you're not the son of Erlinger. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, 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 what is going on? This doesn't make yeah. any sense, basically. Yeah. How, what, but, what, I uh, mean, if you were to transliterate like to be the wife of your husband, what would that what would that be? That would be, I don't even know what the answer to that would be. You speak Iceland. I'm trying to get you, like, help me out here. Uh, uh, I don't even know, but the, the, I don't think it's translatable, basically. Okay. I, I'll say that. that. That's, that's, we'll, we'll say it can't happen. It can't happen, won't happen. It can't, it okay, can't happen. Enough. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, I, I think that that's just so wonderful. I, I know that there, you know, there are a lot of federations, obviously, that are looking for opportunities at every point to kind of see who's playing and, and who can represent in their country. But to be so well embraced uh, by by a culture, by um, by a community, by a national team uh, to, to help give and forge. And and there's obviously, you know, on the men's side, the Iceland team became like the darling, you know, the 2018-2019 Olympics that, that or the World Cup that happened. And so you see kind of that rise and you were kind of part of that you know, that, that culmination of the program really becoming, uh, big and, and kind of the fullness of it. And I, I can't only help but imagine that there's just this deep sense of pride and love that you have. Um, oh, and, for sure. <laughs> and, and it's not at the cost of not loving the country of your birth. Right. Of and, course I, and, I th- not. and I think that that's really important for people to kind of consider. Can you, can you share it? Like share with us at least a little bit, has, has there been any kind of personal consternation or any type of, you know, I don't think there's any type of regret. I don't hear any of that in your voice, but I don't think, is there any type of sadness that like, that this was kind of your option or it just seems that you really have embraced the options that were in front of you? Yeah. I think, uh, just, I embraced the options that were in front of me. I think it was, it was actually an amazing experience to play in the She Believes Cup with Iceland yeah. because we come to a tournament that's run by the United States and I'm representing a country yeah. in my like birth country. Yeah. Uh, it was actually just, it was unreal. We we ended up playing the United States in the third game and that was just, and that was actually played in Frisco, Texas. So like, yeah. I was just like, this is just a whole lot of cross, like the past cross and I yeah. end up here is just absolutely unreal um what a beautiful but no moment. i wouldn't yeah it was just it was absolutely beautiful um i wouldn't say it was regret i i would definitely just say it was just it, it's just different uh yeah i've like kind of lived with the theme of like everybody has their own path and yeah. just if you reach your goal at the end of it it doesn't matter which way you went that's yeah. just the, just if it goes this way and then that way and swerves like as long as you end up doing and feel like you're in the place that you were supposed to be in, I think it's just amazing. And what was the Icelandic phrase for what will be, will be? Yeah. That's what it was. That's what it was. Well done. 
Well, hell pretty now. Good. Hey, now. Let's go. Um, I'm getting my passport stamp. Let's go. Um, I, let's go. But uh, that that's I think that that's really what it is for you is that you you kind of that that whole that the phrase in itself kind of encapsulated your journey. Um, what looking forward now from your career, you know, is your family going to grow plus one again, like (laughs) international, like, like what is, what is kind of your playing career kind of look forward in front of you? What does that look like? So, um, like I touched on earlier, I'm, I've switched teams and now we have the opportunity to play in champions or qualify to play in the group stages of champions league and that. So that's just an experience that I can't wait to be a part of. Um, so I have that, um, and then the Euros are actually this summer in England. So okay. I'm hoping to be on the squad that goes to the Euros this summer in July. So I have yeah. that to look forward to. And then okay. we're also World Cup qualifying. So of course, next year is the World Cup. So I have a, a quite a bit of footballing, I think, left. And um, yeah, adding plus one—that's been a big de- debate in the family. Little lady's been asking when she's going to get a, <laughs> another sibling. Sure. Uh, but uh, like I told her, and I've told people, I think I, I need to—I need to play through these next few years, go through these major tournaments, hopefully, yeah. and then I'll feel comfortable to be in a place where I can have a baby and start working and rebuilding from there. Because I think if I'm going to go back, have a little an, another little baby. And start building from ground zero. Yeah, it's going to take me. So it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, and that window. That window sounds like it's going to be very difficult to kind of get back exactly. into this game. So, um, I've got one last kind of thought, and then we'll kind of end. We have a final question we always ask on the show. So, my last thought is, I would I would love for you just to kind of share with the youth players in our audience who are wondering about playing international at such a young age um kids going to residency programs or stuff like that going into europe and different parts throughout the rest of the world what advice would you give to youth players kind of contemplating an opportunity um and college players to to go play international Mm -hmm. this is like a a different difficult i would say thought i think basically you have to do what's comfortable for you i think um research is very important um you kind of have to see what kind of style of play, how you fit into uh, the style that you think you're going into. But if you really, really want to do it, I think it's just something that you sit down with your family and and find find a way to do it if you if that's what you want to do. I don't. I like. I'm definitely not against. Like I know there's it's been a very heavy discussion of kids who leave and go abroad or at an early age but Mm -hmm. i think you're seeing now just with the investment that's going into women's soccer it is it is worth it at this point yeah uh you can make a decent salary and you can't make a decent living playing for the bigger club so i think you can take that and make the investment to do that and move forward and like i said just talking to your family and doing that is very important Right, right, Harper. Yeah, she's like, okay. No, I love it, and thank you for sharing that. That I think that that's that's some really um, that's some good life experience and wisdom that you've kind of you've had to learn and earn uh, to be able to share. Um, one final question. It's a question we always ask at the end of our podcast of our guests here. Um, and I know you're in another country, and I know you're playing for another national program. So, you know, so I preface it with this: is that. If there were, if you got to wave a wand and you, or you mm-hmm. got to rub the lamp and get one wish for, for soccer in the United States, if you were to implement an, a change with immediate and full effect in the States, um, what would you change and, and to what end would that change impact? 
Ooh, uh, I think on the youth side, I would probably change the pay-to-play scheme. Okay. I think um, here in Europe, I've really seen how accessibility has like helped um, making soccer available to everyone and that you can still produce talent at the highest level um, and create a competitive enough environment um, without paying insane costs <laughs> yeah. of what it costs. Um, yeah. I know it's a, it's a controversial and probably very difficult to do because it takes a very large investment, but I'd like to think if a smaller country like Iceland has done it, but definitely in the United States, we can make that happen. Yeah. Um, I so it. I think, I think that would be like my biggest thing. Okay. I, what a, what a great thought. I, th- I, uh, a lot of people feel that way. It's uh-huh. obviously on a grand <laughs> scale. So there's a lot of things, but I would love to see in some aspect, the conversation yeah. to continue to happen because, uh, I know as a dad who has two good daughters who are playing, the, the cost is exorbitant for what we would deem as a soccer education. And I know that there's a lot of times that they're not actually receiving the education that we're paying for. Um, for sure. But I'm just saying, I have a 13-year-old who's one heck of a great babysitter and not a bad soccer player. So if you're looking for a foreign exchange mm. kind of situation there, we can get the passport. I- you need to send me that information. <laughs> I'm going to send you some video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. I'm going to tell, I'm gonna tell Bella she's going to Europe, sweetheart. So, Coming well, let's get Mar- <laughs> absolutely. Let's do it. Um, let's get Marissa back on here. Marissa, your thoughts kind of winding us down here. Yeah. Um, well, I really, um, one, uh, enjoyed listening to more of your journey. So, I hope that those who are listening um, can really see how you know, sometimes taking that leap that you did to, to go, you know, well, one, to decide on Duke without checking out the, the California schools that are supposedly, you know, on your list, um, you know, but also going over to Europe at such a young age. Um, I admire people who do that. And hopefully, you know, if it inspires one person, you know, great. And maybe I can visit Bella, when she's a foreign exchange student yeah, over go. in Iceland. You guys are always welcome. Yeah. We love that. <laughs> well, one of the things I've talked to my girls is letting them, I mean, first of all, knowing that there are other leagues in other countries around the world that mm-hmm. you can, that's why I think, I think soccer is the, the greatest sport ever given to humankind because you can play it in so many places throughout the world mm-hmm. and the opportunity mm-hmm. is massive. So my girls are always like, dad, would you let me go, you know, to this country or that country at 14? It's like, well, we'd have to see what the opportunity looks like, but if that's what yeah. you really wanted to do, I don't know that I'd hold you back. So I think uh, the mm-hmm. times are so different now that like it actually is crazy how much exposure you can you would be surprised how much exposure you get just playing like for me playing in Iceland I've gotten offers from teams just all over the place so I think you that's something mm-hmm. to recognize as well for young players yeah. is that wherever you go it could be the door that opens another door for you in the future. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage everybody in our audience to please go ahead and follow Natasha. It's Natasha Anasi on Instagram. Like I just did go ahead and click that, yes. that yes. follow button and see you in your fancy blues, the Icelandic blue, <laughs> uh, Marissa, any other uh, final thoughts there? No. Um, I hope that people take some, um, good points from what you've shared, Natasha, especially, um, being a mom and, you know, transitioning back into your career. So, 
um, yeah, we look forward to all the updates. You know, I follow you on many accounts now, so uh, yeah. I'll be reaching out and uh, yeah, really glad to have you today. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you guys. This was really fun. So I just want to thank you guys. <laughs> I told you we wanted to make you a friend by the end of the podcast. Hopefully we knocked it out of the park. Yeah. You did that. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. All right. That's all. Thank you. Oh, thank you guys. Bye. Bye.